But then I said, in that frame of reference, the perihelion of Mercury would have processed in the opposite direction. <laughs> that is a great story. <laughs> Quite amusing, Dr. Hawking. You see, Sir Isaac, the joke depends on an understanding of the relativistic curvature of space-time. If two non-inertial reference frames are in relative motion... Do not patronize me, sir. I invented physics. The day that apple fell on my head was the most momentous day in the history of science. Not the apple story again. That story is generally considered to be apocryphal. What? How dare you? I don't even know how to lay a course. On! You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Hi, and welcome to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. This is the podcast where... Three guys uh, come together in conversation about a topic decided at random by our random topic generator, and then we give that uh, that topic a verdict, either being good, bad, or bullshit, the name of our show. My name's Mike Hodgins, and I'm joined, as always, uh, by Bo Schwartz. Hello. Howdy. And, of course, <laughs> Crofton Steers. Hey, Mike and Bo. And yeah. audience. Yes, hello, listeners. And Welcome to have you. Happy to have you. Or yeah, glad happy for to you to be here. here. <laughs> <laughs> Talking. Hi, Bo's family. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's going on, guys? Uh, nothing oh, too much. Not nothing too much. Uh, I know uh, we're prepping to uh, to help you, Bo. Actually, this weekend, move into uh, your new place down the street from my house. Which, honestly, selfishly, I'm kind of excited about. Actually, it's going to be ha- going to be fun having a friend of mine like you living nearby. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Actually, I went to the um, the mail the post office today to. Uh, get some mail forwarding to my new address. Just you know, so you know, I get my still get my mail. Uh, I haven't changed all the addresses yet. And the guy, the guy was like, uh, "Oh, is the uh, is this place uh, more expensive that you're moving to?" Because he saw my two addresses. I said, "No, it's actually around the same price." And he's like, "Oh," I said, "Yeah, it's a pretty sweet deal. It's uh, in a really nice neighborhood." And he's like, "Oh, I know." And he gave me like a knowing sort of smile or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay," so I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about the neighborhood that I'm moving to. It's going to be pretty it's good. Nice. It's good you're forwarding your mail because that a lot of our listeners I know send a GBB fan mail of of retro sort via the mail. I it's just been piling up at my house. I don't know about you guys, but uh, just I'm letter going. upon letter. Yeah, I haven't got any. <laughs> <laughs> this is some also, other GBB. A uh, bow? Uh, did you? Because I've I've moved a couple times in the past few years, and I always did that mail forwarding thing. But then I would just be too lazy to switch any of my actual like addresses for all those things. So I'd be yeah. like, oh sweet, the forwarding's taking care of it. But then it just expires after like six months or a year, and I'd be like, oh, and then stop getting mail. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm I'm gonna be all on top of that. It's yeah, be more list. organized than I am. Yeah, no, I don't want any strangers getting my mail. That's. Uh... I, I hate when strangers get my things, so I'm like paranoid about being, you know, just ripped off, uh, identity theft or whatever. So that's like number one on my list is making sure all my contact information is updated and all that. So. You'll probably yeah, hear that, strangers. Stay yeah, strangers. away from most stuff. Stay out of my mail. And I'll be glad <laughs> to be saying goodbye to the pigeons, the uh, pigeons on my balcony. You know, there's a corpse out there right now. I think one of them flew into the building and died. That's how bad it is. It's covered in bird shit and bird corpses. Well, survival of the fittest. 
it does feel like you are just com- com- always continuously one-upping how disgusting that building is. But I would like to attest, I have visited said building. It is quite disgusting. Yeah. It smells hey, like brother. urine in the lobby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're actually smelling like shit, like actual feces today in the lobby. So <laughs> <laughs> There's like one of the elevators was out of service. and There were three guys in there cleaning. Like there's a mop. But I'm like, did someone take a shit uh, down the elevator shaft? I, it just The scene <laughs> was very, uh, you know, made me very quizzical, but I never got an answer. So um, You long yeah. for the sweet smell of pigeon corpse after that. And sometimes you don't want the answers for those types of questions. No, I've yeah, I'm just not interested. It's like it's better not to know these things and just leave, which I'm leaving in a few days. So uh, very excited about that. Excellent. Yeah. Are you guys excited about the uh, snowstorm we're going to be getting tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow? We're getting a snowstorm. <laughs> I like how disconnected you are from the world. Well, it's, um, it's funny because I'm super connected. I've got an iPhone, man, but I just don't follow yeah, news. Yeah, but you're There's connected a- to like – Social media and like I, YouTube happening. I don't believe in the weather weather prediction. I believe in just taking each day as it comes. So I actually refuse to watch or even inform myself about weather forecasts. Okay, well, let's stick your head out the window and you'll see it's already started to arrive. I learned that from, your, from working with It's your... always like a big disaster for people when it's like snowstorms are coming. But I love snowstorms, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I've learned that from your dad, actually, Mike. When we were working, uh, we were doing interlock with your dad. When I worked for your dad doing some interlock work, um, you know, he'd always say, oh, it's going to rain that day, so we probably won't work. And I'd be like, yes, you know, it's hard work that we did, you know, putting down putting down the stone dust and putting down bricks. And so I'd be looking forward to the day off, and then it'd be sunny. And so I'm like, man, I don't want to look forward to a day off because of stupid weather when it's not going to happen. And vice versa, um, I'd be prepped for a day of work and then get sent home because it's raining. So it, really, it just really jarred me. And ever since then, I don't like listening to the, the weather. I'll just take each day as it comes, whatever it is. Anyway, so that's, that's, my, that's my tirade on weather prediction. Uh, you guys ready to get into it? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's start the random okay. generator right here. Uh, oh, one more thing before I start the random topic generator. I just have to name drop another awesome sitcom from our last episode that I missed out on talking about. And that's Married with Children. Because Christina Applegate is hot. And she was hot in her 80s clothes and still hot. Also, Ted, or not Ted Bundy, Al Bundy. He was a very pathetic loser, and that really made me laugh. So, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that sitcom was kind of making fun of other sitcoms, sort of. Kind of. It had this really sort of, I don't know, it, it's po- postmodern appropriate. Like it, call- it was so bad it called a lot of attention to itself. Like it, it, was, it was just like not even tr- – I don't know. Anyways, there, yeah, yeah, it was so terrible good, that good it makes it good, which uh, I'm actually looking forward to finding it somewhere streaming to watch. So, <laughs> All right. Um, let's get started. Mike, pull the cord. All right. Where's the cord? Can you find it? There we go. We got it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this live stream is sweet. I get to see Mike choking on it. It's pretty funny. Oh. On what? <laughs> He's choking on the fumes. Oh, the yeah. fumes, right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Crofton's going to like this one, which is to say not. It's uh, The topic today is Star Trek. Are you kidding me? What a bait and switch, Hodgins. Well, what do you mean bait and switch? Well, you said I was going to like it, and then it was like Star Trek. Yeah. Because Bo and I 
I've watched a lot of Star Trek, especially the next generation. At least that's my go-to Star Trek. And uh, and you're always like, stop making Star Trek references, but it's hard not to. Yeah, sweet. We're <laughs> going to leave Crofted out in the dust on this one. I'm happy about that. Well, just before you get started, I would like to point out something interesting about this topic. This is the first time I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, that we're actually talking about like – some a franchise in particular, like an entertainment property in particular. I'm not sure we ever did did that before. We ever talk about uh, something like uh, well, a particular movie or a particular thing. We're talking about. Uh, and we're not talking about science fiction as a whole here. We're talking about Star Trek in particular. I, I just don't think we've yeah, ever done. We that haven't before. talked about a specific brand or business name or anything like that. We've kept it yes, pretty no, that, generic. That's true. It's for sure. It's for sure a brand. I would say that some of them were close, uh, which were things like zombies. Uh, not the same, uh, because zombies isn't a specific brand as Star Trek is. Uh, but you know, Star Trek has a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's different movies, there's, there's different generations, there's been all the spinoffs. But yeah, for sure it's a brand. Yeah, but it's, a, it's also a cultural phenomena, which makes it of interest. Whereas, you know, Two and a Half Men isn't a cultural phenomena. It's just a show. Um, Star Trek is worthy of its own. You know, it's worthy of its own discussion, Crofton. So, stick it in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I guess I guess we should start out by saying that uh, Star Trek is a science fiction show. Oh, I mean, we don't, I don't need think... to define Star oh, Trek on, on this we... show. All right, do yeah, it if you want. But I feel who like doesn't you, know what Star Trek is. So you just want to assume that everyone knows what Star Trek is. Okay, go ahead, Mike. It's just a science, it's a science fiction program. Uh, the first one was in the '60s, I believe. Um, it was considered forward thinking at its time. If in its time, you know, first interracial kiss ever. <laughs> uh, I well, can, there's I a can lot of firsts. That yeah. scene. Have you guys seen that scene? Uh, actually, I don't really remember it. But there, there's a lot of it. Continue on with the definition, though. We'll get into specifics. Well, that's it. It's a science fiction program. It's a, it's a, it's the future human beings are off exploring the galaxy. Uh, and uh, it's kind of, you know, some people described it as utopian fiction in a way, although they're pretty much always at war with someone. But utopian in that humanity has moved to a place beyond uh, the one we, which we currently have, which is a lot of uh, us and them mentalities, uh, you know, different race struggles and culture struggles, and humanity is sort of unified in the future. That's the, that's the, the, the hum, humans are presented as a kind of unified front, and that we're out in the galaxy uh, exploring and meeting other alien races. So that, that that's Star Trek in a nutshell. I, I, I think the basic premise there is that they've eliminated um, they've solved all of the problems that kept us at civil war. So things like, you know, um, there's no need for money. Money's there's no money. Like you can just have what you want. People are fulfilled with their lives and they live up to this sort of higher ideals set forth. Like that's the basic premise, I think, at least in the first two series. Um, well, yeah. Just, just let's let's talk about it a little bit because uh, my understanding of Star Trek is probably very much different than y- your understanding. I think if if I'm breaking it down here and you guys can correct me, Mike would be the Star Trek professor. Uh, Bo would be like a Star Trek maybe a- academic or teacher's assistant, and I would be like. And Star Trek student noob who is kind of kind of learning, but knows a little bit of bit of Mike's stuff a about professor. Star Trek. Why are you putting us on a scale of like who knows the most? Because I, I I'll have I, you know this year in 2013, I binge watched the Star Trek: The Next Generation in like a week. <laughs> 
I've seen every yeah. single episode. But and no, I would Bo, beat him at some the quiz, the trivia. Bo, if we if we rated Professor Hood's based on shows that you've been binge watched this year, you would be like a professor of doctors and sciences and letters of like 18 different shows. So but Mike, I know for a fact would watch and rewatch and rewatch these next generation episodes as they aired on, as they aired on TV. I just, my background real quick here is that uh, I never watched uh, Star Trek growing up uh, the original series. I never saw any of it. Zero. I have seen an episode or two as an adult. I saw uh, Star Trek The Next Generation a few episodes when it aired on TV. Uh, for some reason, I often saw the same one more than once, but I, I, I think I may have seen one Star Trek movie in its entirety prior to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. And I'm definitely somebody who's been brought back in in terms of interest with the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Although, embarrassingly enough, I have not seen the the latest one either. Ugh. Ugh. I like the new movies, but that's not Star Trek. Yeah, I'm like – I'm a, I'm a next-generation purist. That's my, <laughs> that's my kind of bread and butter of Star Trek. The rest I haven't watched that much. But um, and I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie. I think we can't talk about this topic without mentioning the the Trekkie culture, the conventions, uh, the people who dress up and who really take it seriously. Which I enjoy the show, and I think it's a good show. But I'm definitely not a Trekkie. I wouldn't define myself that way. Yeah. Well, you know. So <clears throat> I think no. I think that there's a few things of note here that we need to discuss, or just need to to mention as well, just in the opening definition, which is. Um, I think as like if you as a whole like taking all the Star Trek series, it's probably one of the longest running um, television shows. Like just to have a, a franchise in that name, so there's it's really not comparable except to maybe I don't know some of those Dragon Ball Z cartoons in terms. No, of no, Doctor Who, man, or Doctor Who. I mean, it's up. It, it, it's a television. Did you see Google the other day? They had a, a yes. Google... I know Doc, Doctor Who has a lot of episodes. The point I'm trying to make is that there is it's a um. Not a touchstone, but it's it's a cultural phenomena, and it has it's had a, a lot of airtime on television. And everyone, like I'm, you will not meet someone in at least I would say Canada or North America who's at least been here for a little while who's not heard of Star Trek or is aware of it in some level. Whether they're Trekkies on that range and they uh, have the you know dinner plates, commemorative plates on their wall, and and dress up and go to conventions, <laughs> and um, or if you know they've just happen to watch five minutes and change a channel or just know that, you know, just somehow people have talked about Star Trek and it's a thing that nerds like. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's very significant that way. Not everyone has maybe heard of, you know, Seinfeld. Maybe that's not possible. But Star Trek, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of. Well, we've, we've, and we've talked, there's, there's quite a few topics we've talked about on this show where we have talked about science fiction to kind of, um, as a, as a, just a, a point of reference to say these these concept of, concepts have been explored um, in science fiction at various times. Well, we brought up Star Trek probably once or twice, um, but I do find that in general, uh, though it's primarily an entertainment show, there are some episodes which have really dealt with interesting subjects that come up in science fictions. Uh, things like you know what what does it mean to be alive. Uh, Things like that. There's like there's there's really they've delved into some interesting topics. It hasn't just been fluff. Yeah, and, and notably, like the impression I take away from Star Trek is if you watch a lot of movies or television, 
you know, especially in a lot of science fiction cases, and I do cite the new J.J. Abrams version, is that it's typically it's typically some variation on Star Wars, which is really there's a bad guy and there's some sort of a, a reason to want to vanquish the bad guy. And the movie ends when the bad guy is defeated. And it's very simple. Um, it can be very enjoyable, but it's not very... It's not very compelling in terms of narrative. And one of the things that Star Trek episodes, and they've had, they have their bad episodes. Uh, there's some real yeah. stinkers in there. But for the most part, um, and at least speaking for the original series and the next generation, and maybe some of Deep Space Nine, because I think even the series has its moments where there's, it's just war and kill the bad guy. But, um, a lot of them try to find solutions to the things that they encounter. Um, through higher ideals, and most notably, like the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, is where they meet Q, and the human race is put on trial as whether or not they're being worthy of being allowed to live, uh, because you know the Q continuum have decided to judge their race as um, savage and unfit. And the whole point of the show is not uh, okay, arm your phasers and kill these dudes. It's like no, we have to play along with this this game as much as it angers us. And show that we are not that way. And so a lot of resolution is brought about not in vanquishing a villain, um, but in, you know, finding the, the higher ideal. And I think that kind of thinking is really good for people to watch those kinds of shows. Because even if we don't talk about a particular issue that they tackle, and I'm sure we'll get into a few particular subjects, um, most of the episodes are resolved using the crew of the starship, whatever, if it's Enterprise or whatever, it's about using their brains and coming to peaceful resolution, exploring, using science to find answers that explain certain things. And this is really compelling stuff that you don't see just on every television show. In fact, I don't think you find that kind of stuff in really any other show. And that's what, part of what makes it unique. Um, at least that's the I, thing I like the best about it. I, I, uh, I agree with a lot of what Bo's saying, but I, you know, I do disagree with some of it too. I, I think that, that when you compare TV shows to movies and the points of TV shows and the point of movies, you're, you're, you end up in different places. Like I know, I know a lot of the, the, um, original series and next generation movies, I think are very similar to the JJ Abrams movie in, in that they were encountering evils or that sort of thing, or a villain of the, the film and, and having to overcome it and that sort of thing. Whereas the television show was able to have singular episodes that dealt with different issues and that, and it's, it's, it's somewhat of the benefit of having a TV show, which Star Trek has honestly not had for, I think, the longest time in its, in the history of the creation of the franchise, Enterprise being the last, uh, the, the last show. When I was a kid, I was drawn to Star Wars, and I think this is innately due to, um, Star Wars is fantasy, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Trek is seen as, as science fiction, as, as a projection of the future of humanity. And, and those are big ideas, first of all, for a kid to wrap their head around to begin with. A lot of Star Trek episodes had a lot of talking, which as an adult, I totally appreciate. But as a kid, you're looking for, you're looking for conflict. You're looking for, you're looking for action, which Star Wars captured that sort of serial vibe, the, 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 the action packed vibe that I felt that, 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 Star Trek episodes were just the ones that I did see as a kid. I just found tremendously boring. 
I do appreciate them much more now, but uh, but I definitely appreciate as well what J.J. Abrams has done in sort of like making uh, making the Star Trek at least feature films a little bit more entertaining. I definitely enjoyed the one that I did see. But you know, I would I argue that Star Wars is not science fiction. Just because it yeah, takes place I think Crofton said that. Yeah. Well, okay, but said, I just, it's not a fair fantasy. comparison I, yeah. at all. He said pretty clearly that it's fantasy. I think that distinction is clear to most people who think it's who think about this stuff. It's just fantasy with the guise of you know spaceships and 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 that sort of thing. And I will say that I, you know the, my issue with the J.J. Abrams versions is I think that it's basically it's taken Star Trek into that same place that most blockbuster films live in, which is kind of explosions and special effects, and taken it away from. Some of the stuff that I thought made the next generation show in particular so compelling, which was that it would dare to have um, slower paced episodes where they're really um, talking about issues and there's interesting things being discussed as opposed to, you know, the world is ending and things are just exploding and it's total spectacle, which I think, you know, everything's going that direction. So he's done a good job of bringing it to a more, more mass audience, but there's perhaps something been lost. I always think my go-to Star Trek The Next Generation episode um, that is of note is the one – there's one where <clears throat> Data, the robot, or uh, what would you call him, Bo? And he's an, they're, they call him an android. Android. So the <laughs> the android, uh, this guy who works for Starfleet is like um, – you know, he's an android. So he's property of Starfleet and we'd like to you know study him and make more versions of him. And then he decides I don't, I don't want – you know, no, I'm not property. I've chosen to be here. And they say, well, you're, you're, you're manufactured being, so you're, you belong to us. And the whole episode deals with the concept of, of slavery, what it means to be alive. Uh, how do you define, you know, is free choice? It was, it was really heavy stuff. And it was all like done in this kind of, it was really dramatic. And I found a really powerful episode, not a lot of action at all. It was just, it was like a courtroom I drama. I think what really. made it good was that the arguments for both sides were equally compelling. In the way the Absolutely. show's written, you're not sort of sitting there going, oh yeah, it's totally, he's a human. It's like, no, he's a robot. I mean, it was, it was, it was dramatic. And, and a lot of, a lot of the shows we have, the, 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 there's not, Dramatic tension isn't created as much as it used to be in movies and, and television shows. Instead, tension is got at through explosions and very, you know, stark black and white. This guy's evil. We must stop him. That sort of thing. So, anyways, there's some really good. Uh, there's some really good episodes that, 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 that go into depth about interesting topics. But in, in terms of it being, no, it is science fiction. Is this idea of the future? Just recently, this is a. <laughs> this is where Star Trek came up in a conversation I was having. With this fellow who works for the Senate here in Canada, and um, I was quizzing him about because I was like, "Oh, the Senate! Look at it. it's a big mess. You know, it's a big scandal in Canada right now about the senators' expense expenses, the Prime Minister's office trying to cover up the kind of them trying to pay off Senator Duffy." Uh, you know, we're aware of it. A lot of maybe our listeners are as well. So I was telling them, you know, what's it like to work for this kind of joke of an organization? Um, and then I don't know how we got into it, but we were talking about uh, we we started getting into how are we ever going to change the Senate in Canada because it's bound by these these laws. And I'm like, oh, we you'd need you need basically political revolution to make that happen. And then I don't and uh, this is our conversation was meandering as is this anecdote I realize now. But uh, we got into, I got into I asked him a question like, what would the future look like if you had a revolution? Say we had a revolution and somehow we abolished you know money. 
and, and the next phase of kind of humanity was, was not based on a kind of monetary economy. And he was like, Oh, like, like Star Trek. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like kind of like Star Trek. And then we started talking about Star Trek as this model of a, of a civilization. Cause when you look at a lot of the issues we have today, um, a lot of the issues we have today are, are, are cause of money. You know, we're stuck in growth, you know, environmental, uh, degradation because of stripping of resources. We need, we're in a growth based economy. There's a lot of issues that are related directly to money. And in the future, Star Trek proposes that we have eliminated the desire for money, the need for money. And I was thinking about that. And it's a really interesting idea. But when you start thinking about the nuts and bolts of it, I'm like, I can't figure it out. Like how you could make that transition. And then I was starting to think like, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it is more fantasy. It's a fantastical proposition. There's no, there's no details to how the society functions. Everyone just does things. And so, you know, it being true science fiction versus fantasy, like I like the concept, but it's never explained properly. Yeah, I, I do think they, they glaze over it somewhat, but um, I think the idea is that material needs are not there. So like the desire, like food, you don't need to pay money for food. You don't need to pay money for shelter. You can fab- manufacture and fabricate. Like, they, you know, there are replicators. There are things in there that um, indicate that uh, there isn't really a need to fight over any resources. And so because there's no resources, then those problems are solved. Um, I think the unspoken one is that there's still the human need for power and position. And I think that, um, you know, resources are the proxy by which we fight over these things and, and money. Like if you look at, the, you know, some people might say that uh, we don't have royalty or nobility, but really the people with the money are today's nobility, right? And, oh, absolutely. you know, so y- you figure that it must manifest itself in humanity in some way. So perhaps in the science of science fiction of Star Trek that, uh, they don't really show it, but um, there are people in positions of power throughout Starfleet and other races who seek power and abuse it and are, you know, invariably exposed on the shows. So I don't think they, they, they claim to have solved that, but um, I think their civilizations uplifted beyond petty arguments over resources, you know, over I suppose, I suppose that's water true, but I find and this... gas and things like that. I find it funny though that they 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 ditch money as a concept and then but yet keep the strict hierarchical uh, chain of authority in the like it's still so like oh yeah we still need that but no money and it's just you know it has some kind of contradictory things I find I think I think in terms of like qualifying it as a fantasy it's easy to do that because they have the imaginary races like the Klingons and the Romulans or whatever you're like okay these these races don't exist, but you know, they could exist. I always have seen sci-fi, um, Star Trek more as sci-fi and, and Star Wars more as science fantasy. What I never I saw, what I never saw and what you guys have been talking a lot about. And uh, again, I didn't watch that much Star Trek is, is, is currency and stuff like that. To me, Star Trek was a show when I would turn it on. It always seemed like, especially the original series and even Voyager returned to this sort of, uh, but it, it was the journeys of the starship enterprise. It was a show about exploration. It seemed to me like it was like each episode, they were exploring new worlds and boldly going where people haven't have not gone before. And while there would be potentially episodes that would deal with the corporate structure of earth or how civilization exists now, it seemed to be mostly a show about 
exploration. And I guess as a kid, that appealed to me in much in the way like this recreation of the Wild West in space saying like we are going to explore, find the new frontier, the final frontier and all this sort of stuff. And then the final frontier just had a bunch of people talking. Uh, so I found, you know, as, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm pointing, pointing to myself as a kid and the reason that Star Trek never really pulled me in and maybe approaching it as an adult, I, w- I would get more out, of, I would get more out of it, but definitely I found that it was advertising a lot of adventure. And uh, while I never watched the original series, at least the next generation, um, I didn't, I didn't get a sense of much of that adventure, especially compared to, uh, think, Star Wars. I think that depends <laughs> how you would define adventure is adventure like an indiana jones movie or is adventure just uncharted like it's not the new alien of the week and and maybe that's what your childhood and you expected but um i watched it as a child as well and and didn't have those expectations and we watched it as a family i'd watch it with my mom and i think my sister would join us and uh you know it was it was a show about ideas and I would say that you need – you often you should have been watching the original 60s version. Now, mind you, it's hard to watch because it's so so dated. Uh, but it basically uh, is a lot of – there's not a lot of talking. It's mostly a lot of punching and fighting through the galaxy. There's, there's a really interesting documentary I saw about – Star Trek. I don't know when it was made, late 90s or early 2000s. It was pretty funny because it contrasted – How William Shatner uh, changed the world? Yes, I th- I think so. Yeah, because he, he takes credit on the show in a very obnoxious way for the invention of iPods and yes. various types of technology, whose creators are quoted as saying, I watched Star Trek as a kid, and it made me want to do this when I grew up, and then I grew up and did it. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. And But I, I the part I remember, at least, and I'm not sure if it was that, it might have been that documentary, but where they contrasted because uh, it wasn't just talking about the original Star Trek, but also the next generation. And I just remember they they had these funny scenes where they said, you know, things have changed since the 60s. And it shows Captain Kirk basically like punching the crap out of all these aliens, <laughs> double fist <laughs> to the back. And and then it shows Captain Picard like uh, engaging in like um, diplomatic talks with people. Right, <laughs> like right. how things had changed. And I'm like, because it is pretty funny when you watch the original. It's basically just like, oh, an alien. And then he's punching yeah. them. Or which is, making which is with why J.J. Abrams would have chosen that particular cast for a reboot and not one from, say, The Next Generation or Voyager, uh, who, you know, you could have equally paired them up in equally titillating Hollywood blockbuster scenes. But really, Captain Kirk's the guy who's going to, uh, you know, if an alien's impolite to him, he's gonna punch him in the face <laughs> and 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 sleep with available women because he's a swinging bachelor. So yeah, yeah, they they, they tried to do that with with Riker. He slept around with some aliens. Yeah, right. But Riker was like an adorable teddy bear. Like they tried to make him out that way, but he's just kind of like I don't know, just this lovable, strict guy, but not he's no Kirk. I don't know. Like, we have a fa- I have affection for a lot of Star Trek characters as well. Do you guys feel that um, when you talk about Star Trek, uh, you're talking a lot about the next generation, which I know is the one that Mike is most familiar with. Um, We've talked about the reboot with the J.J. Abrams movies, but the original series also was was, uh, released in film format. Like there was like six of those movies. Plus there were, there were um, movies with the next generation cast. And then there was Voyager. And then there was, 
Enterprise, which is often pointed at as the bastard stepchild of Star Trek. Nobody seems to have watched it, and it got canceled fairly I hear, quickly. I hear it's quite good. It just didn't take. Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering because here, a, a little a little disclaimer about modern sci-fi. I actually watched Battlestar Galactica, which has one of the most embarrassing names to make your wife watch that I've ever heard. I'm like, hey, honey, you want to watch Battlestar Galactica? You know, Star Trek is actually less nerdy in name than Battlestar Galactica, but but Battlestar you know riveted me through these sort of presentations of adult themes with with action and adventure and it, it, it seemed like a mixture i guess of star trek and and star wars and i very i very much uh, i very much enjoyed it and it did very well but for some reason enterprise did not did not do well and i'm wondering i guess do you think star trek is past its best before date well i i can answer that and i think that um it needs the right person to helm it. I think at a certain point, I've watched some Deep Space Nine, and once they got up to the war, like Deep Space Nine started off really good for me. I really, I was watching it as it was coming out. I think it was in my teens, but it got to a point where it was more about this sort of Cold War and eventual war with the Jem Hadar over in the Delta Quadrant uh, by the wormhole. That just sort of it made me lose interest because the show was not about, mind you, on a stationary star base. It's hard for exploration to occur. But I, I don't know. There's just something – I lost interest in that sort of storyline. Uh, Voyager is one I've seen a little bit of that I'm really interested in. Um, and that was very successful. I think it had a lot of seasons. I know my brother was a big fan of it. Um, I intend on actually watching it when it becomes available on Netflix because um, I'd like to give it its its due. Um, it's pretty good. I Captain, think Captain Janeway – is in Orange is the New Black, yes, which is a good show. She's a, yeah, as um, uh, you don't fuck with me. You don't fuck with Big Red. red. Yeah. Yes, so, um, <laughs> she's awesome. Or just Red. Yeah, anyways, she's amazing in that. Kate Mulgrew is her name. Um, but the um, – so Voyagers want, want to check out. Now, Enterprise has seen a few episodes, and I'm actually committed to giving it a go as well. I want to watch it. But I, I suspect what happened is that it went for – the people behind it didn't capture – what it was that made Star Trek great, which is it's not about Alien of the Week or it's not about, um, I mean, it is about the ships, but really it's about the big ideas. It's about inspiring people for the future. And I think Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, what he first had in mind of it was to take all the problems and ills of the future, because consider the time it, w- it was made in. You mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Mike, about the first interracial kiss on television. Like, why can't we all just love each other and why do we have to see these things? What if there's a future where we can put all these differences behind us and not have riots where people get killed and not put, you know, not segregate different races or treat them differently? Like, we have this, you know, I think we live in a day and age right now where we kind of feel very complacent. Like, oh, yeah, you know, World War II was a thing, but we don't have that anymore. And slavery was a thing, but we're too smart for that for it's going to happen again. You know, and it takes visionaries to sort of look at the future and see where we want to go. And it takes brave people to implement that. And I think we've done very well on the technology side. But there are a lot of big ideas about how the future should be in a show like Star Trek that you're not going to get from the Big Bang Theory or you're not going to get from (laughs) even Breaking Bad, which is an amazing show. Star Trek really tried to be something different. It wasn't shoving... It wasn't saying, here's how the future should be. It was saying, imagine a future... That where this could be. And yes, some of the shows are crappy, but I think that it filled a unique void. 
in television that you could actually find in literature. There is a ton of great uh, science fiction literature that you know still being written today on the subject, but you never see executives get all excited. I think it's a miracle that that show even got made in the first place. Think about it. Even well, at I that day and age, who would make a show like that? They make Gene Star Roddenberry Wars. You know, was Gene, Gene Roddenberry was considered quite quite a visionary. Um, and if you if one movie Star Trek movie that's a good kind of I think the one that encapsulates his kind of brief history of how that uh, uh, of how that future the, the Star Trek universe evolved is the movie uh, Generations. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah, it's with um, uh, it's with both Captain Kirk and Picard. It's sort of the transition between the. The original series movies and then the next generation series. I of think movies so, but up. it's the one. Is it? Oh, maybe it's not that. Malcolm one. McDowell's yeah. also in it. That one got panned. But it's actually, it was the it's one actually where good. Dies. Spoiler alert no, on a twenty-year-old movie. It's the one where it's the one where like the Borg chase. They go back in time. First to contact. First discover. First contact. That one. And that one talks about, and actually when I was talking about that guy who worked for the Senate, that was the one he brought up. And he was like, because how at some point, you know, when they, so human beings, you know, learn to travel faster than light and then we encounter other races. And then we realize that our problems, or this is the idea that I think Roddenberry puts forward, is that if we can realize we're not alone in the universe, and there's all these other things that our problems don't seem so insurmountable. And that all of a sudden human beings start working together uh, for greater bigger thing rather than a petty squabblings uh, that we have. I think the idea is that if we find other life out there, we realize we have much more in common than we have that divide us. And that's all, it's a pretty positive message vis-a-vis humanity and to say that we can come to a point where we don't uh, we don't have wars between ourselves, that we're, we're united in being human beings, we don't discriminate against each other. But the funny flip side to that is we just do that with aliens now. <laughs> we fight with them and have problems with them. Which, which and, and just to sort of nerdgasm here, but which is what makes the Borg one of the most interesting quote-unquote villains in a kind of a narrative. Because if you think about it, um, they do threaten the way of life, but they see, if you look at the culture that they created, like in the fiction of the Borg, it's, they're functionally similar. All races are treated equally. They're all interconnected, and it's a different way to solve the problem, which fundamentally opposes our solution. But it's actually, if you think about it, we are developing wireless technology. We're trying to map the brain. Is it such a stretch that maybe at one point we'll be able to communicate wirelessly uh, through our brains with each other? What if my cell phone's implanted in my head? Well, what if it's directly tied into my brainwave and now you and I can start communicating? Now, what if we start saying a family is a cluster and all that family can share thoughts? I mean, it may be it's science fiction right now, but it could be science fact one day. And the Borg actually represents that kind of a culture where it's like, no, you're going to add your technological and cultural distinctiveness to our own. And in that way, we become richer. And we see it as our mission to, you know, the thing that we disagree with is that they don't take people just as volunteers. They they, they do hostile takeovers. But, um, you know, that was, that's what makes it a great villain is that they're just so hard to actually paint as uh, horrible individuals. You know, so it's not like uh, some like, – like I go back to the J.J. Abrams thing and the first one, it's some – 
I don't know, what is he? He's a Romulan from the future who just wants to blow up a planet because of some spiteful revenge thing? Boring. Give me the Borg. Give me the give me Q, who is a recurring, quote, villain, but he's not trying to blow everything up. He's just, just this other interesting thing that we haven't encountered yet that we may encounter. And that's Yeah, like it's it. more it's more nuanced, you know? Yeah. Like the you know, it 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 goes to ideas of not just like destroying and killing you, but like no, just yeah. changing you, taking away the individualities of 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 being what it is to be human, things like that, which are more nuanced than just like there is a bomb going to blow up your civilization. It's kind of like you know. So I see what you're saying there. Yeah, like like uh, villains are caught and imprisoned. Their guns, or their phasers are set to stun because they're not going to. They don't have a justifiable reason, even if somebody's a murderer, to murder that person. Just like arc policemen don't murder people, they arrest. Like there's so much in that show that doesn't, um, especially someone like you, Mike, that doesn't go to our base instincts when we watch shows, which is just like uh, you know, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, oh, you kidnapped my daughter. I'm going to kill. 50,000 foreigners to get my daughter back. That's a commando, I believe. You know, it's <laughs> like, commando? yes, you know, it's just like, like, that's a whole, he, is he a hero? No, he's a suicidal maniac. It's like, that's what makes Star Trek that's so a, good. That's, that's a movie. It, it's a movie. You guys, it doesn't matter. You guys but, are always comparing. You, if you want to compare, you got to compare it to TV shows, compare it to BSG, compare it to the show. No, 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 or something. no, no, no. I'm talking about dramatic narratives and dramatic narratives, dramatic narratives exist in television, um, you know the the whole spectrum: television, movies, books, anything that you know, theater, anything that conveys a um, uh, a dramatic narrative. And in visual, so film and television, Star Trek, whether it's in the movies or in the film, with some exceptions, because there's some stinkers and there are some action-packed hoo-hahs like the J.J. Abram ones. The thing that people like about Star Trek are its high-minded and lofty ideals and the inspiration that it gives for us to be better people and a better civilization and the way we overcome those, those things. So um, I think it's very unique in both mediums of film and television, and that's why it's deserving of its own subject. It's, it's a cultural um, phenomena that you know has captured the imagination of many people, and deservedly so. I think you should you should start us off with, with the verdict, Bo. All right, so I th- yeah, I can just lead into a verdict right from there. Uh, Star Trek is um, good. It's so good that um, if you have you know uh, Croft and a lot of your comments sort of were I think from you know childhood, which are valid, but it it strikes me that maybe you haven't watched them recently. And um, I watched the the entire uh, Star Trek Next Generation canon. Uh, I'm hoping to get into <laughs> well, canon, but that you know series this year, a show that's 20 years old, and yeah, it's got its um, things where you can tell it's you know filmed 20 years ago. It's no less good. I I highly recommend it to anyone. People should be watching Star Trek and should be thinking about how they can make something that lives up to the standards of of Star Trek. So yeah, it's good. Who's next? Uh, I'll Mike, go next. You go ahead. Get your love on. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I'm like, I'm not. I, okay, look, I'll say, I'm going to say Star Trek is good. But I wasn't like, I wasn't as much as I like have liked Star Trek. And we were, you know, I was definitely positive towards it uh, during our conversation. But I was tempted to, to be like, yeah, to, to, I was tempted to call it bullshit just because 
it's as much as I do think it's pretty good science fiction. I do think it's unique. I like all both points a lot, uh, and they resonate with me. Uh, I also do think that there's just a lot of like leaps of logic and stuff in the show things that just takes for granted which has a lot of fantasy elements to it it's like oh the future's like this uh but in general i do think it's good um i think it's positive view on the future and so much science fiction is kind of negative kind of lesson driven and star trek really is one where it sets up human beings as having overcome a lot and going forward from there so for that reason i think it's it's good i am clearly the least informed on this subject matter i i would <laughs> I would like to say that the whole time I really, really wanted to call it either bad or or bullshit, um, just despite both of you guys. But <laughs> I had to, you, I had to, I you know, I had to listen to what you had to say, and I, I had to th- think about it. I think you both, particularly Bo, very much oversold it um, in terms of enough in terms praise of, cannot be in, leveled at it. <laughs> in terms of, uh, in terms. Of impact and, uh, and, um, in terms of, uh, uh, of, of the picture it presents of the future and drawing, drawing, drawing depth in it. Here's the thing though. I really like science fiction. I, I really do. It's, it's almost humorous that I know so little about, sci- uh, about, uh, Star Trek. <clears throat> and I'm so interested in science fiction. You think I would have gone back and done my homework on that? But there's been maybe that those childhood impressions, um, have made it such that it, it's never really had a big, a big draw for me, uh, to go back. Like, I, it, there's never been a good impression that's left, left on. It never left such a, a memorable impression on me that I wanted to go back and explore this more. I decided to reintroduce myself with the J.J. Abrams films, which I have been enjoying. Hopefully, you know, they, they will lead to a television show, which will allow, uh, to, to explore some of these, uh, ideas fully. I'm not necessarily sure I'll go back to the old, to the old Star Trek. That being said, um, the, the, I think the selling point that, that, and I think you both made this at separate points was how this has captured the imaginations of people for countless, uh, countless generations now. And by countless, I mean two, uh, because I think it came about in the 1960s. So, uh, but, but, uh, that's important. And the fact that, the fact that people are, are making tricorders today, devices that, that, that they grew inspired by watching Star Trek. I mean, that's the, the mark of an entertainment property with some significance and uh and i like that i like that that it's done that i i like that it's made people think further uh and and broader about about technology i can't speak to the ideas that bo was was talking about and saying that it's more about these lofty ideas uh it may be but i you know i don't have enough information but i do know enough to be able to say that that i feel star trek is even for a casual observer is good Make it so, number one. So uh, I think now we need to go over to the mailbag because we have uh, a bunch of mail to read today, actually. So let's uh, get started on it. All right. uh, First up to bat here is um, I actually received a little message from my mom on our atheism episode that I wanted to read. Um, She said that she really enjoyed it and she listened with my Aunt Maggie. And um, my mom and my aunt... Hi, Bo's mom and Aunt Maggie. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Um, hope you guys are tuning into the live stream right now. Uh, they're two avid atheists. So they describe themselves as avid atheists. 
and they thought we should know that there's no atheist hell. How can there be? I think she's referencing my comments about how you two are going to hell. So I still think you are, but thanks, Mom. And she also wanted to clarify that atheists are not wet blankets. In fact, one can argue that religion can create a woeful existence. So, um, yeah, maybe my ter- phraseology of wet blankets was not too... No, it's not correct. So. It's, it's just, I, I like the term um, avid as because I always think of like avid in terms of like I am an avid bowler or something. Yeah, or I'm an avid I like, reader. I like reading. Yeah, yeah. avid atheist. I like, kind of like that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So um, thanks for the quick message, Mom. Um, yeah. we, we also have a quick little message from Breck, our, our good friend of the show, Breck, who is studying to become a lawyer. Um, our hipster friend Breck. Our hipster friend Breck, who we'd love to have on the show, but you know, is refusing to join the show. So Breck, we'd like you to swing by and do a little segment for us. We were thinking maybe like Ask Lawyer. Anyways, here is his message. He wants to know um, which podcast did Crofton talk about boners and sweatpants? It's pretty hilarious, and he'd like his wife to hear it. Uh, I think it's children. So, no, the answer is the preamble of episode 33, sarcasm. So I'm going to make you listen to the show, Breck, and get the answer here. Uh, moving on to <laughs> moving on to the next message, uh, we now we have a, actually an email from a listener that we don't know, and I think that's a first in good, bad, or bullshit history. So, hooray! Milestone time. <laughs> um, it's a message from a writer called Ivan, and uh, so Ivan says, um, "Hi, Ivan. Hey, Ivan. How's it going? Uh, Ivan says I thought I would try your podcast on Stitcher. Always looking for any new free thought podcast to fill my day." However, I was driven crazy by noodling Mike Hodgins was doing around the definition of atheism and why he thought agnosticism was more rational. Oh, my human. Atheism only speaks to whether you have a belief in a deity or not. That is it. If you, Mike Hodgins, as an agnostic, do not currently hold a belief in a deity, then you are an atheist first. That is it. And for any thinking atheist, it is assumed that we cannot prove gods do not exist. Therefore we would technically therefore we would technically be classified as agnostic atheists. For my conscience to go on and on about how arrogant atheists are for saying there is no God and how much faith it takes to hold such an opinion, so that he ended up saying atheism takes as much faith as a religion or some such propaganda as that. I'm afraid he is suffering from the same affliction that fundagelical religious suffer from ignorance, drawing conclusions without having sufficient knowledge on the subject. And signed Ivan, the terrible, incidentally. So, um, I, I oh, Mike, he burned you. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting called. Uh, I'm getting called you're out. Getting Thanks called for out. that letter. Yeah, called out. The letter. So, yeah. Can, can I can I respond? Sure. Yeah, like yeah you can respond, Mike. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that, Ivan. I think that uh, your points about uh, the definitions, because I think often in the show we struggle with defining the topic we're, we're, we're discussing. I think the same was the case with atheism and agnosticism. And I think your definition of uh, atheist agnostic would be very well fitted to me. I think that's how I would describe myself. And uh, I came across something recently, uh, Richard Dawkins, king of atheists, that's what I'll call him <laughs> anyways, uh, he has a scale where he says, you know, it's a scale from 1 to 7, where you where you sit on belief. 1 being, there's a 100% probability uh, of God existing, and 7 being, there is no God. And he says he himself is a 6 on that scale. Uh, so he says he's still agnostic about things like uh, garden fairies, you can't prove, and that's and that's where I would rate myself too, is a 6. And I don't think that's ignorant. I think it's sort of just understanding that there there are unknowns, unknowns, there are unprovables, there are things which science have not yet 
revealed to us. And I think that's the, that's the main point I was trying to get across. But I'm glad I drove you a little crazy because that's kind of the point of these types of things to to get us thinking. And uh, and I really appreciate your comment. Yeah, I and I just I wanted to add too, Mike, that I, I think you know, I think that um, like on the subject of actually saying that, if I can definitively say right now that uh, you know I do not believe there is a god, and so. Are you saying that that's a belief and not quite like I'm, I'm kind of you know, confused well, I, about the atheism versus agnosticism, because I think anybody on that side of the fence, agnostic or atheist, probably subscribes to some sort of the scientific method, like prove it to me. And, you know, I will definitely test check it myself well, and, and find it. So I, 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 I was kind of, kind of the same thing. Yeah. You're asking a, a further question, but I think the the idea is that there are there are places where physics break down. Say when you go back to the Big Bang, uh, when you get nearer and nearer to where to, to the moment of the Big Bang, physics just don't work anymore. We don't yet even have the language to understand some elements of the universe. So he himself, uh, Ivan, pointed out that ignorance is coming to conclusions when we don't have knowledge, and science has not given us full knowledge of the universe. And I think that's all I'm. That's all I was trying to say. Like. I lean heavily towards atheism, but I'm not going to make a grand statement that I know for a certainty. That's all I was saying. And uh, but uh, but yeah, let's not get back into it. I think any listeners could go revisit that podcast and and maybe write us in with some other ideas about it because it's always good to hear different perspectives. Okay, sure. I'll, um, I would like to say that if you somehow made it through the entirety of this Star Trek podcast <laughs> and, and you. Uh, you aren't into Star Trek and thinking like, what is with these three guys? Well, first of all, kudos. But second of all, you really should check out the Atheisms podcast. I thought it was a pretty spirited discussion. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a point of view on spirituality or religion and that sort of thing. We'll probably talk about it again, this sort of thing again in the future, but, uh, definitely, uh, one of our, one of our good ones and worth, uh, worth checking out. And as always, tell your friends. Yeah. So, and on that note, I want he, Ivan did mention um, that he found us on Stitcher, and so we were really excited about uh, being included on the Stitcher Radio lineup. So, um, if you want to find our podcast and subscribe to it, visit our website at gbbpodcast.com. dot uh, com. That's good, bad, or bullshit—the acronym uh, for gbbpodcast.com. dot com. There you'll find links to subscribe to our show via Stitcher Radio on the iTunes store, and as well, you'll find links to the RSS feed if you're using some sort of alternative RSS catcher. Okay, um, as well, if you have something you know, you'd like to mention about Star Trek, there's so much to stay, say about Star Trek, if you're someone that really loves it, that I'm sure, no, there I know for a fact to say. that we barely cover, we barely scratch the surface of Star Trek on this episode, so if there's something really important that you want to share about Star Trek, uh, feel free to email us at goodbadbs at gmail.com. Uh, Please don't do that. Uh, hey, you may not like Star Trek that much, but me and Mike do, and there are people that do. So stop sabotaging the email invitation. Uh, <laughs> so email us at goodbadbs at gmail.com again. And uh, if you want to send us an audio clip, don't forget you can do that too. Just record it on your phone using a sort of voice memo program or just on your uh, regular computer. Send that in. We'll play it on the show. We'd love to get that uh, as well. All right. So I'd like to thank everyone who wrote in today. Uh, it was very nice of you. Uh, and finally, as a last mentioned, if you do want to catch us live over live streaming, follow us on Twitter at GoodBadBull, and we'll be sure to mention it before we start streaming. Um, you can find links to that on our website as well. All right, uh, Crofton, where can the fine listeners find out more about you uh, if they're interested in you? Uh, they can find out 
more about me on this Stardate 2611-2013 at Croft and Steers on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty sure you got the Stardate formatting wrong. Correction. <laughs> you guys are nerds. Uh, Mike, where can our fine listeners follow you? They can follow me where no man has gone before to watch an episode of Star Trek. Actually, that was the old sexist opening. They changed it to it's where no, no one has gone before. Yes. I used, much to be able to recite, I used to be able to recite the beginning once upon a time. but uh, Let's not do it. Let's just end this episode. <laughs> I, can, I can also recite the opening of Judge Judy. All right. Um, all right. So let's take us out of here. Uh, Ensign Crofton setting a course for uh, the end of podcast system. Captain's Log, Stardate That's not how you set a course. You gotta punch buttons on your on your nav. Deck. I look out into this new frontier and I see two noobs that are obsessed with Star Trek. I do not know like, how to. I like how right. um, Chief, Chief of Security Hodgins, can you please remove Ensign Steers from the bridge? <laughs> this will not stand. Come on! <laughs> the set phaser is just done. All right, bye guys. That Please was fun. insert some Star Trek sound effects in this post-production. All right, so I, I've got to find a way to end the show and all of that. Yes, 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 folks. Thanks for coming. Take your <laughs> coats.